I want you to repeat something after me this morning. It's a, it's a little different than what I've done before, but I want, I want you to say something. I want you to say, God brought me here this morning because he believes in me more than I believe in myself. He's preparing me for something bigger than I know. Something's happening in me today. It's supernatural. It's going to increase. It's going to influence the nations. Amen. We were praying beforehand. There's some nations we feel like are opening up in a greater way. Fiji is opening up the people in the room. Iceland is opening up England. And we heard uh, the city of Budapest. There's something there's there's a door that's opening there. I've got quite a bit of my team here. If you're on my team, why don't you stand up? Man, they they've invaded this place. Yay. Yeah, they're going to be here tonight. Some of them are wild ones. Some of them are the Christians your mom warned you about. <laughs> they got that look in, in their eye. Wow. Yeah, just um, as most of you know, I mean, we're we're on staff at Bethel Church. Um, we work with the department Global Legacy, which is the place at Bethel where people who say we want more of what's at Bethel, especially church leaders, they can access through for online courses, uh, deeper relationship. Um, I'm currently I've been traveling about half the year since I left here. It's been pretty consistent. And, and that's the assignment that I have. Wendy did about 75 percent with me for about the first um, six, seven, eight years of that. And she's now getting now we're not traveling as much for two reasons. One, she is getting so many of her own invitations and, and that she's not with me as much. Someone just say, oh, oh. and then she wants to travel less. And, and so it's changing my season a little bit. And we have seven grandchildren now. Yay. And so that whole part of our world is. Exploding in a good way. The oldest one's now officially taller than I am. And then we have our own ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries, and we have a mandate to ignite hope. That's our assignment. There's no hopeless circumstances. There's only hopeless people. And once people get true hope, circumstances cannot stay the same. I believe after love, hope is the most powerful leadership quality there is. He was the most hope, has the most influence. Our hope level determines our influence level. If something's going to change, somebody is is becoming unreasonably optimistic. (laughs) By the way, I heard this, that uh, this is a pessimism deliverance service. People are going to get delivered from pessimism. (laughs) The one thing that we really found out about being in ministry is that people don't like to follow hopeless people. You know, people aren't rushing after hopeless people saying, oh, we want what you have. You know. And it's just realizing how many areas we we're hopeless about and we don't even know it. We've just put it aside because we think, oh, that could never be. And for me, I even challenged God. It was like, but I think there are some things that are hopeless, God. You know, I've been there. And he said, well, I give you permission to be hopeless about anything I'm hopeless about. Ooh. It really <laughs> narrows the field. <laughs> And and what I discovered is that if we're hopeless about a person or a circumstance in our life, it's usually because we haven't factored in the supernatural. Because there isn't anything impossible for God. We just 
need to remember that, okay, I don't see how this can happen, but in a moment, it can change completely. And that's what our, where our hope stands. And it, even if we have to go through something, God can still make it work out for his good. Yes. All progress stops where there's no hope. There is a town that was going to be covered by a reservoir from a dam. And once the town knew that the town was no longer going to exist, all, all improvements stopped. And, and hope, hope is, is, is the driving without a vision that people perish. And hope and vision are so tied, so tied together. And, and he was, again, his most hope is the most influence, has the, has the most vision. And God, I said God loves to partner with unreasonably optimistic people. Can you imagine David going after Goliath today? <laughs> you can know what it's good. I like this place. Hey, David, before you attack Goliath, we're looking on our phones here and we want to let you know what the experts are saying. <laughs> the experts are saying you're being unreasonably optimistic. And they're saying you should go back to the fields and settle for life as it is and protect yourself from disappointment. So what the experts are saying is what's going to happen is you're going to actually get killed. Let's laugh at that. But. <laughs> hey, Ezekiel. Before you prophesy to those dry bones, we want to let you know what the experts are saying. The experts are saying you must not know how dry they really are. Because if you knew how dry they really were, you wouldn't be so optimistic. They're suggesting you do a study on the bones, do some spiritual mapping on the bones. And to find out why they're so dry, so you can be more realistic. God hasn't called us to be a realistic. He's called us to be supernatural. We love to do two things when we minister. And for those of you who know, know us, this is no surprise. We, we like to get you to say things and we like to get you to laugh at things. Because they're both powerful spiritual weapons. Second Corinthians 10 forces the weapons say weapons. weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. And it says we demolish arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself uh, above the knowledge of God, taking every thought into captivity through the obedience of Christ. So that the highest level of spiritual warfare is a decision to think higher than what you're experiencing. It is to take thoughts captive. That's you want a Ph.D. in spiritual warfare, go after what you think. And. It says we can pull down strongholds. Now, they're, it's talking about strongholds in the mind. You know why they're called strongholds? Because they have a stronghold. Kind <laughs> of makes sense. Stronghold. Stronghold. You know, that makes sense? That makes sense. Yeah, that is deep. Thank you. <laughs> but there's weapons to pull down strongholds in our own thinking. Yeah, I mean, love encounters are a weapon, you know, sozo type ministries heal the past, uh, you know, praying in the spirit can do that. It pulls it pulls down bad belief systems. But we, we love to talk about two weapons. One is the weapon of declaration and one is the weapon of laughter. Now, both of them are, are powerful weapons to dismantle what we're what we're believing, the lies that we're believing. And, and we, we like to get people to say things because you can't change your life without changing how you talk. And, and, and we have to hear something higher than what we're experiencing. Because if we're going to experience something different, we have to believe something higher than what we're experiencing. 
And if we're going to believe something higher than what we're experiencing, we have to hear something higher. Because Romans ten seventeen says faith comes by hearing, hearing. Now, and I'm not waiting for you to say something to me. I hope those people at Mountain Chapel will tell me who I am. <laughs> you probably will, but I'm not waiting for you. And so declarations are faith statements about what's true about us, but that's probably not yet in our experience. It's a, it, there's a great phrase in Joel 3.10. It says, let the weak say what? I, I am weak. Oh, I'm strong. Wow, let the person in a weak experience not agree with their experience, but keep agreeing with what God's saying. We don't deny weakness. Get prayer, go to the doctor, whatever, but don't get your beliefs out of your experience. Because if we get our beliefs out of our experience, that's the stronghold. That thing is greater than anything the devil's doing. That, 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 that's it. Because once we think right, the devil can't do anything. It's really amazing how we think it's normal to define ourselves by our experience or lack of experience. Because we tend to think that that's how people get their identity is from what they've done or haven't done. But if you think about it, an apple tree is an apple tree not because it's had apples. It's an apple tree because it was created to have apples. So if it dies before it ever has apples, it's still an apple tree. (laughs) Wow. And that's why we need to begin to define ourselves not by what we've done and not done, but by what we're created to do. It's not a lie to say this is who I am, even though you've never done that. Because our our definition has to change from because otherwise you're just going to keep experiencing more because you can't consistently do what you don't believe you are. God never requires us to do something that we're not. The reason he can require us to be holy or powerful is because we are. But you'll never be it until you come into agreement with it. Because you can't release what you don't think you are. You know, the same, the thinking that got you where you are today won't get you out. You know, a lot of people are trying to improve their life, you know, they, but they, they've actually said that the average person never moves out of the economic or socioeconomic, um, I don't know, level. level that they were born into. They usually stay at that level, whether it's favor, finances, gift mixes, talents, and it's not because they're not trying to improve their life. The problem is they're trying to do something different without thinking something different. You actually have to redefine who you are if you want to move out of where you, where you are. So 80% of the time, it's not so much trying harder as it's just convincing yourself with those declarations. This is who I am. I was born for this. And when I preach this, a lot of people are like, well, what if I start believing I'm something that I'm not? <laughs> Uh-oh. And I usually tell them, you've been doing that for 30 years, and it never bothered you before. Ooh, that's a good word, Wendy. You've been believing you're a failure, that you're inadequate, that you're stupid, and it's wrong. It's a lie. Why is it so important now to make sure that you're not thinking something wrong? It's just the enemy. Well, if if God wanted us to think with limited thinking, he did a bad job. (laughs) Did a very bad job. You know, Paul says, I can do all things 
That doesn't sound too limited to me. All things through Christ who strengthens me. That sounds like, wow, I can do, I can do it all. Nothing's impossible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. The things that I do, you will do also, and greater things will you do, Jesus said, because I go to the Father. So he just breaks off limitation. And you know, Romans 12, 2 says, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say be transformed by trying hard. It's not by trying harder. I'm all for wisdom, but but again, it, it, it's the 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 new covenant is moved forward by good beliefs. The kingdom of God is not moved forward by good conduct. It's moved forward by good beliefs. The, the old covenant was moved forward by good conduct. The new covenant is moved forward by good beliefs. We're called believers. It should tip us off on what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> that's a good word right that's there. A very good word. Yeah, right that, there. That, that's a, you know, the question of the hour, Wendy, is not Lord what, what should I do? The question of the hour is, Lord, what should I believe? That's the what, what do I need? What do I need to believe in this next season? What do I need to believe about you? What do I need to believe about me? What do I need to believe about the people in my life? What do I need to believe about Weaverville? What do I need to believe about Trinity County? My nation? Lord, tell me what to renew my mind with. I used to say, well, Lord, I'll start believing better when things start getting better in my life. Let's laugh at that. Ha ha. He says, that's not how this thing works. <laughs> yeah. You, you actually got to start believing something better when you're in the same experience. Well, imagine that. It's called faith. <laughs> I think a lot of times we get stuck into trying not to believe what's wrong. But we don't actually believe anything, you know, because faith isn't blind. It's visionary. If you can't see something different than you've experienced, then you can't have faith for it. We actually, you know, there's a reason why the enemy likes you to paint a picture in your mind of lack or God not coming through for you. He likes to paint pictures because faith is visionary. Because he knows if he can get you to see it, you'll have faith for it. But it takes discipline to actually let the Holy Spirit paint a picture of a future you've never experienced. Mm. That's what faith is. What do you see? What are you believing for? (laughs) It's just huge to actually say, okay, what would it actually look like if I really believed that? If I really believed that I am anointed to raise the dead and heal the sick, what would that look like? Can I imagine that? You know, most of us, just before we're about to pray for somebody, we're imagining failure. Boo. Boo. (laughs) You'll know what you really believe by what you're preparing for. If you're already preparing how you're going to explain why nothing happened, then that's what you're believing for. We all believe the scripture that says given will be given to you, you know, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And we think we believe that. But what are you preparing for at the end of the month? Are you preparing for lack or abundance? Are you looking for, okay, is there any new charities? Are there any needy people in the place? Because I'm expecting abundance. Hmm. Hmm. You know, well, what if it doesn't happen? Well, you had more fun than worrying about lack. And 
you know, the, the experts say that 85% of what you worry about never happens. Why aren't you upset about that? <laughs> I'd rather imagine a, a good future. It actually increases the, the likelihood of it. And the more you meditate on it and think about it, it actually can actually change your whole future. Someone say, wow. Wow. Romans 4.17 says, God who gives life to the dead by calling. Say calling. Calling Calling those things that are not as though they are. So I'm I'm a strong person having a weak experience. But I'm a strong person. I'm an organized person having a disorganized experience. Ha ha. <laughs> but I'm organized. That's because I am who God says I am. Not, I'm not who my past says I am. I'm a great husband having a non-great husband experience. <laughs> but man, I'm a great husband. <laughs> That's who I am. <laughs> I'm in a revival city, having a non-revival city experience. But I'm in a revival city. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, the only closed heavens are between your ears. So our experience will catch up to our beliefs. And the gap time is called faith. So I'm a strong person, but I'm having a weak experience. Yep, still taking medicine. Still, you still need a lot of prayer, but I'm a strong person. Oof, I'm, I'm, I'm strong, and faith comes by hearing, and then pretty soon that stronghold comes down. And, and then we, we, we come with what's called fully convinced. It's the journey Abraham went on in Romans 4. He went on the journey of getting fully convinced. So declarations are, are a way to demolish arguments and strongholds and then establish new ones. And it, it causes you to become a thermostat instead of a thermometer. James 3 says our words are like a bit in a horse's mouth and a rudder on a ship. Whatever we talk a, a lot about, it will get directed towards You know, I used to only be a thermometer in my words. I'm tired. We're poor. This place is hard. (laughs) And and I'd say uh, every time I move forward in God, I get attacked by the devil. Lord says, Steve, how come you say every time you move forward in me, you get attacked by the devil? Well, Lord, the reason I say every time I move forward in you, I get attacked by the devil is because every time I move forward in you, I get attacked by the devil. (laughs) That's why I say it. That's why I say it. (laughs) And he said, here's what I heard. He said, it's true for you, but it's not truth. true for you because that's what you renew your mind with you renew your mind that it's a badge of honor to be under attack you actually come into agreement that it's a sign of spirituality to be under attack and so you, you, you keep talking about it so you get directed towards this and he says hey Steve how come you talk more about the attack of the devil than my protection <clears throat> uh, well Lord the reason I talk more about the attack of the enemy, I don't talk much about your protection is because I'm not seeing much of your protection. If I saw more of it, then I would talk more about it. Let's laugh at that. By the way. <laughs> he said, I got a suggestion for you. Why don't you start talking about it? Why don't you start radically talking about how you're the protected one? I want you to see what happens. I want you to, I want you because what, what we come into, a, the renewing of the mind is on one level. We renew our minds with whatever we consistently come into agreement with. 
That's that's mind renewal in the positive or negative. And, and, and that because current beliefs, current mind renewal creates future experience. And so that's why we love to get people to say things. Proverbs 1821 says death and life is in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love what? Those who love the revelation that life is in the power of the tongue will eat the fruit of their past words. Those who love the revelation that life is in the power of the tongue will eat the fruit of their past words. And you know what I'm seeing this morning? I'm actually seeing, I mean, there, there's, there's some high-level declarers in this room. I mean, I, I know some of you, man. You guys are, whew. But you know what I'm hearing? I'm hearing that God is, 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 is actually in this meeting, is, is releasing a revelation like never before, the power of words. The power of, of, of I believe this, the future is in the mouths of intentional speakers. The future is in the mouths of intentional speakers. And I just see the Lord just doing something, putting this edge on you. Uh, it's just concerning your own life, your family, your city, your county, this church. The church is represented here. And, and, and there's just like this boom. The, the glorified Jesus, he had a sword in his mouth. You know, it sounds really easy to do this. Um, The first 10 or 15 years of our Christian life, we were kind of stuck in Romans 12, 1, you know, which is about presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service to God. And so there was a lot of sacrificing of time and money and dreams, and, and we got that down. The problem is, is then he took us into Romans 12, 2, which says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we realize sacrifice doesn't transform you. And what was really amazing is that we discovered that it was easier to sacrifice our time and money than it was to sacrifice our beliefs. Mm. Because they (laughs) feel so true. He started asking me, Wendy, will you sacrifice your belief that you're shy? But I've got experiential proof. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, you can believe your experience or the word of God. Which one do you want? Uh-oh. Will you sacrifice <laughs> your belief that you don't speak well in front of people? Will you sacrifice the belief that you're a failure, that you'll never get out of debt, you'll never lose weight, your children will never change? Will you sacrifice those beliefs? And we want to hold on to them because there's an emotional stronghold attached to them. There's a reason why 2 Corinthians 10 says, take every thought captive, because they're not going to surrender. (laughs) that's a good word and and, you know one of the things I decided is I'm not going to believe what my emotions tell me is true anymore because if my friends lied to me as often as my emotions did They, they wouldn't be friends. We can't have our faith in our emotions. And so the harder it is to say something that the Bible says is true, the more you need to say it. I mean, you don't have to be telling everybody else it, but you need to tell yourself. So I want to say that's a good word, Wendy. Wendy's uh, latest book is called Victorious Emotions. And she's got, it's just a powerful book. It just takes what she just said and just, and she's got a a journal with it. And this is, uh, this book out of any book we've ever done has really just, do you have that book? You go, Amy. 
Yeah. And it's not, the book isn't for people who are emotional basket cases. They, you know, it's kind of my journey of realizing, oh, joy should be my default emotion. I was kind of a depressed Christian who had moments of joy. And, but my default was always going back to life is hard. And God began to give me keys on how to actually change the default of my brain so that now I'm a happy person with maybe moments of depression or heaviness. But it's rewiring and retraining the brain. So the, the battle is really between lies and truth. John 8.32 said, Jesus said, the truth will make you free. So we're not devil-focused, we're belief-focused. We don't want to be ignorant about the devil, but the devil's not the problem. What we believe is the problem. And if I can believe truth, I get, I get free. And so, you know, the question is, is let me say it this way. We get, we get saved by believing in Jesus. We get free by believing like Jesus. We get saved by believing in Jesus. We get free by believing like Jesus. So, you know, the question is, how do we know if we're believing a lie? Well, Romans fifteen thirteen says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So if you boil that verse down to its essence, is now may the God of hope fill you in believing. So the moment I believe truth uh, is the moment that uh, that... My hope level starts to rise. So increasing hope is the evidence of renewing my mind with truth instead of lies. Increasing hope is is the evidence of moving from mental assent with the truth to actually believing it. So I start believing truth. I get start getting filled. Then it gets to my eyes. Wow. I'm actually seeing everything differently. I'm seeing me differently. I, th- I think I think there's hope for me. I think I can do this thing. I'm seeing what's going on in my family differently. Oh, I see what's going on in people's lives. I'm seeing what's going on in America differently. Because our hope level is the indicator of whether we're believing lies or truth. Got a lot of hope, believing a lot of truth. Don't have much hope, don't. Believing a lot of lies. And there's no condemnation if we're believing lies. But how many know if we don't know what our problem is, we have a real problem? If we don't know what our problem is, we, we, we have a real, real problem. And, and, and I didn't know what my problem was for a long time. You know, if I'm a general in an army and the enemy is over here and I'm shooting all my artillery over here. How many of you know I'm a bad general? That's how my spiritual warfare used to be. I was rebuking until my rebuker was worn out. I was binding everything that moved. <laughs> and again, there's a time to deal directly with the devil. I know that. But again, he's, he's not, he's not, I'll say it again, he's not the biggest problem. And so that, that is, that, that for us, and you know, many of you have heard this, but that for us was the turning point. Wow. Our, our, our hope level, that's, that's what we're looking at. A lack of hope is like the check engine light on your car. I don't get condemned when the check engine light comes on. I'm a bad person. The check engine light is on. <laughs> no, it's just great information. You need to check something. I don't get condemned. I, I, use, I try not to get condemned, but I don't have hope. Uh, and, and, you know, but that's, 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 well, no, there's something, something going on. I don't know what it is. I'm believing a lie. I don't have much hope. I remember a few months ago, I was battling for hope in an area. I, you know, I couldn't, couldn't just get over it on my own. I mean, you know, it's great to have people around you. So I go to Wendy, Sharon, about it, and she asked me a question. She says, Steve, what do you need to believe to have hope in that area? 
Huh? That's, that's the question. What do I need? What do I need to believe to have hope? What do you need to believe to have hope for your family? What do you need to believe to have hope for you? What do you need to believe to have hope for your finances? What do you need to believe to have hope for your health? What do you need, what do you need to believe to have hope for America? And you, you start that, that question is, is, is a question of breakthrough. It's, it's the question. God gets excited. Woo-hoo! I think the journey of this though, really wakes us up to the fact that we don't really believe everything that we think we believe. You know, God told me, Wendy, you don't really believe that until it has changed your emotions. If what you think you believe hasn't changed your emotions, you don't fully believe it yet. Because our emotions, unless there's a physical problem, our emotions are based on our unspoken belief systems. Not what we want to believe, but what we subconsciously believe. Because we're not driven by what we consciously believe. We're driven by what we unconsciously believe. And we see life through our belief systems. I heard a doctor say once that your brain really doesn't even know the difference between what it has imagined and what has actually happened. It's just taking in information. And he said, if you offend me and I go home and rehearse it 30 times, my brain doesn't know the difference between the 30 rehearsals and the actual event. And that's why the next time we see each other, you're going to be wondering why I'm overreacting. You'll be saying, all I did was, no, you did it 31 times in my mind. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. It's why we use the word, you never. Well, no, that's not true. You just don't rehearse the times they do. So whatever you're rehearsing in your brain creates your reality. And you'll see life through it. And that's why faith is visionary. It's why the word is full of God wanting us to rehearse the things of God. He's trained to, you know, create a whole new reality for us. We need to imagine something else instead of just the bad. One of the things I discovered is that there was plenty of good things happening. I just didn't notice them. Because I was, my, your brain has strongholds and it is always looking for proof of what it already believes. So if, if your brain believes and has a stronghold for rejection, it's only looking for proof that nobody likes you. Whew. It won't notice the hundred people who do. So whatever you're rehearsing, you'll see more proof of it. And it will increase your faith for it. We have to retrain our brain. When David was going after Goliath, he wasn't rehearsing his failures. He wasn't saying, well, I'm such a wretch. Hopefully God will come through. No, he said, I've taken out the lion, I've taken out the bear. It just came out of him. He had obviously rehearsed his victories. I was in a meeting recently, I was in Germany, I think I was in a meeting there, and I just, I had people get, you know, say, celebrate yourself, think about something you're doing better. People got up on their chairs, they were celebrating or shouting. That's a good, that's a good thing. Actually celebrate where we're improving. Hmm. Someone in this room is going to go up to the headwaters of that thing and find out why Christians don't do that very much. And they're going to pull that that root out. Set people free. Whew. What 
what we discovered is that religion only celebrates perfection. And that religion only celebrates perfection. That's why there hasn't been a lot of joy in churches. But families celebrate progress. You know, we tend to use our failure as proof that we're not what God says we are. Isn't it funny how, you know, when our grandkids were learning to walk, they would take one step, maybe have 50 falls, but we would celebrate the one step, and we used the one step as proof they were walkers. (laughs) We didn't use the 50 falls to define them. But yet we tend to define ourselves by the 50 falls rather than using the one success as, oh, this means I really am that. Someone just go, hmm, hmm. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I think this message is just for you. Let's, um. By the way, you know what I'm hearing about tonight's meeting? I'm hearing tonight's meeting is going to be a blowout meeting in, in the Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit blowout meeting. That's what I'm hearing. I can't wait for tonight. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> Let's get started. Well, okay, we'll get you started with this. We'll, 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 we'll kind of wrap things up with... With, with this and just the whole area of the other weapon being the weapon of laughter. Now, we're going to do a little bit more laughing today. So why don't you guys just warm up your laughers? Because <laughs> for some of you, that makes me nervous. I, I wouldn't want anybody to laugh suddenly and pull a laugh muscle. <laughs> now, to laugh now. Laughter is a powerful spiritual weapon. How many know God invented laughter? He says in Proverbs 17:22, a merry heart is good like medicine. And so one of the ways to say emotionally, physically healthy is through laughter. And one of the ways it's a weapon is because to laugh, you have to let go of something. Now, Wendy and I, we celebrated a year ago, October, our 40th wedding anniversary. Yay. Look. Look what the Lord has done. Two hippies who get saved over by Eureka. But, you know, we love each other. We're best friends, but we still don't always agree with each other. Let's laugh at that. (laughs) And when we're not agreeing, especially when I think she's really wrong. I'm not laughing. Because if I laugh, she'll think things are okay. She'll think she's okay. Ha ha. I'm a victim of you. My joy depends on your behavior. You know, we laugh because we don't verbally (laughs) believe that. But just watch what happens the next time you're in a fight with someone. Uh Uh-oh. You don't want them to see you happy because you want, you know, we're subtly want them to know that, you know, you need to change. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. How to proceed. I'll figure it out. You know. My joy, for me to walk in biblical joy, I need you to do what I think you should be doing. But how many of you know when I finally laugh? Woohoo! Ha ha! How many know I let go of that thing? Whatever it was anger, frustration, manipulation, whatever it's trying to pull out. Because you can't hold on to those and laugh at the same time. And we know we don't laugh all the time. We weep with those who weep. And, you know, sometimes in brave communication, we're not laughing. But uh, I believe this, the body of Christ has been too joy deficient. And laughter is such a great way to actually start because you, you, lies sound really real in the darkness of our thinking. 
But then when we, we put words to it and laugh at it, it starts to disempower the lies that we've been tempted to believe. And so, you know, we're just going to I just want to give you some of the devil's all time favorite lies and just what I'd like you to do. And some of you, you've done this many times, just just enter in and just, you know, just get rid of some stuff if you need to. And um, others of you, it's new. Just do an experiment and, and laugh at, at the lies of the enemy. You guys good? Yeah. All right. Let's let's just start with this basic lie. One of his favorites. And let's just give a hearty laugh on this one. <clears throat> You are a failure. <laughs> Give an extra laugh now. <laughs> How about this one? God loves you, but he does not like you. God is not going to provide for your needs in the future. <laughs> because his ability to provide for your needs is dependent on how the economy is doing. <laughs> My life for that was that his ability to provide for my needs was dependent on how I was doing. Uh, that's a deeper lot. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever noticed how often we disqualify ourselves from the promises of God? Here's a good one. In key decisions that you will need to make in the future, you will not know what to do. <laughs> You know what my lie about decision making was that if I made the wrong decision, God wouldn't know what to do. You know, everything's dependent on me making Uh this right decision. Because if I don't, God's just going to be totally, you know, flabbergasted. Now what are we going to do? Miracles are easy in Africa, but they're difficult in Weaverville. (laughs) Weaverville has seen its... Weaverville's best spiritual days in its total history have already happened. When <laughs> I believed for a long time, other people can hear God, but I'm spiritually deaf. <laughs> spiritually deaf. How about this one? You should not trust the perspective of any Christian who laughs a lot. (laughs) Because obviously they're not getting it. And then one of the devil's all time favorite lies. Laughter in the church is from the devil. (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. Can I just throw out, too, because I love studying the brain, and they've actually discovered that fake laughter is just as beneficial as real laughter. You know, a lot of times we're so concerned, you know, I don't want to fake it. I want to be authentic. And it's like, well, who do you want to be authentic to, your old self or your new self? Yeah. But an interesting side effect of laughter is, have you ever had your brain going around in circles, repeating the same thing, you know, when they did that to me? And you know you shouldn't be rehearsing it, but it... These people would never do that. (laughs) These people here, they would... uh Uh-uh. 
but what they discovered is that even fake laughter will jog your brain out of that cycle. Fake laughter? Yeah. There's something about the mechanism of laughter that, you know, because your brain is really just electrical impulses and things connecting. And when you laugh, it breaks the connection. So just try it sometime. I've, I've actually tried it in public and fake laughter. Cause, it works? Know, yeah. I was getting upset and lying at an airport once, and I'm getting really irritated at some of the stuff that you was are? going on. And, wow. And then God says, why don't you laugh? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I preach this stuff. I should. Maybe we should Maybe live, should live what we preach. Maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> So I did. I'm just standing there, a bunch of people around me, and I just go, ha, 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 Everything was fine after that. It did. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha. turn to your neighbor and just say, I think you need to laugh more. <laughs> You know, I think it's really important for you not to get condemned if you don't laugh a lot. And don't compare yourself to other people. You know, we're not in euphoric joy 100% of the time in our life. (laughs) We're going to get there. The goal is, you know, we don't go as low as we used to and we don't stay there as long. You celebrate the progress. Yes, we celebrate. Um, uh, I laugh a few more times a day than I used to. Yay! Woohoo! Don't let your perfection rob you. It's not about perfection, it's about progress. Yeah, thanks, Lord. Thanks for what you've done today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for just um, recalibration for some, just you know, just a, a spiritual chiropractic mind adjustment. Thank you for others, Lord. It's it's a new it's a new thing of seeing something, seeing something in the Word, and we thank you, Lord. Just just as yes, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Lord, you ask us because. Basically, what you're saying to Ezekiel is, Ezekiel, what, what you think is going to determine what I can do. What you think is going to determine what I can do. And I say, thank you, Lord. I'm in the room with great spiritual thinkers. I'm in the room right now with people who are getting healed, who have been getting healed from disappointment. And, and are, are, are willing to, to take the risk to, to hope again. To take the risk. It's risky business getting hopes up. It's risky. It's risky business. You know, there's two ways to live. You can live a hopeless life and never be disappointed. Or you can live a hope-filled life with occasional disappointment. And there's people in this room, I just, I see it in the spirit where that you're actually, that it says the anointing heals the brokenhearted, that there's actually... A, a, a spiritual anointing that's healing people this morning. It's healing people this morning. People disappointed with themselves, disappointed with God, disappointed with family, disappointed with authority, disappointed with people they've led, disappointed just with life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that, there, that there's such grace in the room today to receive in its, where it's just happening. As we heard earlier, you're causing these things to happen. It's what grace does. It causes it causes what your will is to happen. And your will is today that we be whole. Your will is is that that uh, we we live in a way of possibility thinking uh, of what are you going to do next, God? And I thank you for the significance that Mountain Chapel has. And I just know this, just driving up here, I just, I was just reminded again that this church 
is is significant in worldwide revival. This church, there's no church like this church. The highs, the lows, you guys have a DNA in you that's affected and is affecting nations. And, and, and we just come and we affirm that identity. We affirm your calling. We affirm this new season. We affirm the fact it's not going to look the way it looked five years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago. You know, we celebrate that. We take that. But, but there's a new thing that's happening. There's going to be new expressions of it. There's going to be new doors that are going to be open. There's going to be new creative ideas of how to do church. There's going to be new satellite uh, type ministries springing out of here, impacting regions. There's going to be new Internet ideas of how to get this, the message out of here. There's going to be healing uh, of, of things happening uh, in, in relationships where relationships have been hurt. There's going to be healing of relationships. There's going to be forgiveness. There's going to be affirmation of people and giftings. Uh, there's, there's going to be a fresh wave of miracles. There's going to be um, a, a new, um, just, a, uh, just a, a new outpouring of the fresh manifest presence of God. Um, I, I, I just I see that I see that happening. I see it increasing. I see people who are tired getting a second wind. I, I see people who, um, who who've just grown maybe a little cynical that that thing is getting that thing is getting healed by his, his grace. Um, yeah. Thank you, Lord. I just feel in my spirit that there's a few people that you actually need to think of something, a belief system that you need to sacrifice this morning. Something that's prevented you from actually having hope for change. And you need to, you know, in your head, put words to, I'm going to sacrifice this belief, even though my experience, my feelings, I'll say it's true. And then bring it to him and make the exchange. Why don't you just lead us in prayer right now for that, Wendy? So, Father, we just bring as a sacrifice a belief system that's been holding us back from really enjoying who we are in you, from going forward. And it's it's kept us stagnant and, and in one place. And so we come to your throne room. We bring it as a sacrifice, this belief. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would bring revelation of what they need to believe for change. What supernatural thing? Give us a vision of how you see our future. Of how you see this playing out. Yes. We factor in the supernatural. We factor in the favor of God. We throw away the thinking that we are disqualified from the supernatural or the blessings of God. And we just receive revelation. And Father, I just thank you that hope is springing up again. Because now is the time. Now is the season. No. Thank you, Father. You want to do things that we've never even imagined. And I just pray that people here would, would see and imagine what you have planned for them in this church and this town. The thing, dreams they've laid down to pick them back up. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys received the word today? Yeah. Yeah. You receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, if you receive it, say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me today. It was supernatural. It's going to increase. It's going to influence the nations. 
You know, Wendy and I, just we just look around the room and we just look at so many of you who have made such a great difference in our life. I mean, we could just start naming names and people, you know, you guys, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for our season here. We're so thankful for people, you guys believing in us, you know, working with us, even in our imperfections and, you know, our journey as well. And and we just look back at our Weaverville season as an incredible time in our lives. So thank you. Our team, we're going to have a...